Good evening. Welcome to Chaps Fantasy Chat. Um, it, it, I tell you, it's it's great to be here, courtesy of Dr. Roto. Big things going on at Dr. Roto. Um, there's about 25 of us podcasters that have all got together, and you know, Doc's a great guy. I really appreciate all that he's um, all the effort and hard work that he's put into this. But make sure you like and subscribe all of um, his content or all of his pages. That's that's on YouTube and um, on Facebook. So doc, drrodo.com on Facebook and on YouTube, it's Dr. Roto Fantasy. So make sure make sure you're. Um, you know, getting in there and supporting all the great people we got, all the great things we got going on. It's um, it, it's definitely worth checking out. So it, it's interesting. So a little bit about myself. Um, I, I, I tell you, I, I really like analyzing fantasy baseball and how things work, um, both from a long-term and, you know, holistic approach, but also from a short-term. I really like to break down um, short-term statistics in order to, to basically maximize your DFS approach um, night in and night out. But it also helps you in your year-long le- uh, leagues. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, baseball is so much about statistics. And if you can point to a moment in time where things change, where you have a concrete bit of evidence that – you can start as a, I guess, a beginning of a bracket, um, and you measure that. So, I, for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, spider attack, right? I, I started I started doing this, you know, as soon as it happened, but you, you know that there's a distinct change in the game when the pitchers go from being able to use this substance to not be, being able to use nothing. Basically, um, so you saw some, so, you know, it's just like anything else, though. We're starting to see some normalization from these pitchers. Sure, Garrett Cole had a couple um, iffy outings. Now he's back to normal. He's back to Garrett Cole. Um, all the, the hell stuff that he's got, you know, the COVID stuff or whatever he's got going on. He's back to pitching at his top peak level. Max Scherzer is another great example. You'll remember after that happened, uh, after the spider attack incident, um, you know, started getting, I don't know, enforced, um, that Scherzer had a couple outings where, you know, he wasn't as sharp. He almost hit a guy. Um, I can't remember who it was, but, you know, it's one of those things where the elite's going to adjust to it, and after a little while you can start to use those statistics to your advantage. And we're going to do that tonight. So point in time tonight that we're going to start tracking is – the trade deadline. To me, you have two distinct seasons because of this trade deadline. There was so much movement at the deadline that we really don't know what true versions of teams are at this point yet. Um, you know, you have some teams who went out and, and spent, went out and, you know, added the Dodgers, went out and spent, you know, the, their two top prospects in essence to get – Two all-star players, MVP caliber players. And you saw Scherzer was immediately effective last night. Chicago goes out and gets rid of everybody. They look very different now than what they did a couple weeks ago. We're still figuring the Cubs out. We're still figuring the Nationals out. We've talked about 
the Scherzers and the um, Bryants and the guys going to different places. We could talk about it a little bit differently tonight. But I want to talk about the guys this evening. I want to talk about the guys that maybe we're not thinking about. And maybe we could. Now, I call this changes in attitude, changes in latitude. Because anytime there's a small change to a roster construction, it can make potentially a big difference in how a team constructs this lineup, um, operates, drives in runs, scores runs, pitch. I mean, there's so many different aspects to go into a simple change. We're talking about massive changes that happened at this deadline. Sure, everybody knows that, you know, um, Chris Bryant's going to be great in San Francisco. Javier Baez is going to be great in New York. That's that's really kind of cherry-picking, right? Talk to me about somebody who's going to step in and be productive in the absence of these superstars. So that's what we're going to try and break down tonight. That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, I hope you enjoy the ride. First player I want to talk about. So I'll preface this at first by saying some of these numbers aren't going to look great. Some of these players, at first you're going to look at them and you're going to be like, what are you talking about? But you have to think about baseball is an interesting game because statistics happen. Statistics normalize. Okay, and I I talk about this. Ian Happ's my first example. Now, Ian Happ's been terrible. He's hit 179. He's been up and down from the minors. But Ian Happ benefits greatly from being in the middle of Basically being dependent upon as being a middle-of-the-order type of guy um, for a team that's rebuilding now. Some could call that good. Some could call that bad. What I will say is Hap is a traditional late-season streak player anyway. And now that he's getting everyday playing time, he could be a factor. He could be. He's not going to hit 179 at the end of the year. He's a career 234 hitter over five years. I look for him to raise his batting average about 50 or 60 points over these last two months. That means in order to do so, he's going to have to hit 350, 400 for a big stretch of time. So let's take a look at it. What do Hap's numbers say? For in his career, in 884 plate appearances from March to July, Ian Hap has 37 homers. Okay? Through a lot of numbers that you there. 884 plate appearances from March to July. From August to October, he has 656 plate appearances. That's, I'm not great at math, 230 or so less plate appearances. He has 36 home runs. 
This is over a five-year period, guys. So I'm looking for, for Hap to normalize his stats. I'm not saying go out and pick up Ian Hap, to be clear. I'm saying watch him. And if you see him, a la Joey Votto a couple weeks ago, start racking hits up day after day, hitting them out a couple days at a time, go pick them up quickly, quickly. Next guy I want to talk about, and, I, you know, I'm not sold on all these guys. I'm not going to lie to you. Edward Olivares, outfielder for the Royals, really one of those guys who, you know, um, wasn't able to capitalize on playing time because of Jorge Soler. Now has that DH job in Kansas City. He has been one of the more sought-after prospects in that organization for a few years now. And now the Royals have decided they're going to give him his opportunity. Um. Hit 322 and 13 homers between AAA and the majors. Is probably more of a power hitter than an average hitter, I'd say. I I, I don't look for him to hit three. You know, 273 at the major league level, three home runs. It'll be interesting to see how he responds to playing every day. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's good. We'll talk about examples of both in a little bit. Next guy I find interesting. Former Astro prospect Brian De La Cruz. Sneaky sneaky pickup by the Marlins at the trade deadline. Um. Having a really solid year at Chip Way for Houston. Hit 324 with 12 homers. Isn't the fastest guy in the world, but he's a high hit tool. He, he, he should hit for a good average. Um, it'll be interesting to see. He'll get everyday playing time in Miami, and he could end up being. I'll be honest, a a better option for the Marlins than Adam Duvall was. A little higher average, not maybe not quite as much power, and a lot cheaper. He had 17 doubles at AAA. I think that speaks well to his batting average ability for the Marlins with those massive outfield gaps. I think he's going to rack up a lot of extra base hits, which, yeah, they're not home runs, but they put you in scoring position. They drive in runs. I like Brian Taylor Cruz as a sneaker pickup for the Marlins. 
How about Brent Rooker? DH for the Twins. Has a great opportunity in front of him. With Nelson Cruz going to the race. Not great numbers on the year. But again, if you look at small sample size, I like what I see. 189 on the year, four homers, 10 excuse me, 10 runs and six RBIs. But if you break that down and you look at his last six games, Rooker is hitting 306. And he's hit three of his four homers on the year in his last six games. His OPS over the last six games is 1.019. For perspective, only three players in baseball have an OPS over 1,000 on the year. Now, I say that a little... I understand we're talking a very small sample size. That's that's over the course of 100 games now, more or less. But you get my point. Rooker's hitting the ball well. He's got an opportunity for everyday playing time. <clears throat> Why not take a chance on him? This next guy, I feel like you may have missed the boat on already. I, he's he's one of those guys. This is why I do this, though. I picked him up in a few leagues. It was once highly sought after rookie, and I'm talking about Carter Kibu. I love saying that name, <laughs> but. I kind of think Mike Rizzo knew what he was doing at the trade deadline. I, I, I'll tell you, I, I've watched them quite a bit because I have Soto in a league and I have Bell in another league, so I, I have reason to watch them, right? Um, they're going to answer a lot of questions, and I, I just can't help but think that Mike Rizzo knew. You know, it's kind of twofold, right? He knew he couldn't re-sign Trey Turner. But then he also knew that Carter Keyboom was ready to play. And I think you're seeing that right now. I think you're seeing a man who's matured, who has a good approach to play, and knows that all he has to do is go up and play his game and everything else will fall in place. Carter Keyboom, if he is available in your league, you have to go pick up now. You have to. It's imperative that you pick him up. He is going to be a part of the new nucleus in Washington that, um, you know, in a couple of years you're going to be thinking, man, I've had him for free. Um, you know, currently 281, two homers, seven runs, five RBIs. I, I see him hitting around 300 the rest of the year. I see him getting around 12 homers. Again, in 60 games, that's that's good. Um, I, I, I'm not sure about his speed, um, but I look for him to hit in the middle of that lineup and be a factor both um, in the runs and the RBI category the remainder of the year. I love Carter Keyboom, and I'm a big proponent of him going forward. Um, just like Keyboom, though, 
I got to tell you, Joe Adele, <laughs> yeah. tonight's the night, right, where you're kind of eh, – you're, you're – you're wavering on him a little bit, but Joe Adele to me um, is going to get a lot of playing time and he's going to get, um, he's going to get his chance to show, you know, what he can do because I think Trout might be out a little bit longer than they're anticipating. That's why they're hitting him, uh, you know, excuse me, whether playing him in center field, they want him, you know, to kind of take over for that. The angels aren't a bad team. And if Joe Adele can come up and hit, that makes them that makes them maybe not a playoff team, but at least someone who can push for the playoffs the remainder of the year. So Joe Adele's an interesting one to watch. I've picked him up in a couple leagues. I would suggest giving him a chance just because, you know, again, um, Brandon Moore was brought up early. He struggled. Uh, and, they have some players there. Jack Mayfield stepped up. Um, Upton's played fairly well. Walsh is hurt now, so that's that's another uh, a problem for them. But Joe Adele, to me, is someone who has to come up. He has to steal bases. He has to be involved in the game plan um, for the Angels to remain, you know, in contention. And I think he does that. Of course, last year he's Mister Everything prospect. Came up, failed was sent back down, sent down, remained down for a big portion of the year. But I feel like at this point, again, um, a little bit of he, he's ready. You know, his last – his last um, I had it in front of me. His last 10 games in um, at Triple A, he, had, he was hit three, 351 with four homers. So he was killing the ball down at Triple A. Um, uh, and I feel like with him, you kind of have, um, a 280 hitter, 25, 25, um, hundred run guy. So that's what you're looking forward forward to with Joe Adele. If he can steal you double digit bases and hit six or seven home runs. No, 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 Chris. No, no. I'm saying Joe Adele moving forward. Uh, I, I, oh, Mede- or Mayfield or Flores. Um, which Flores? I, I tell you, Mayfield's got some spunk. I, I, I like watching him. Um, I just don't know, you know, the playing time now for him seems to be opened up. Um, Wilmer Flores, I'm assuming you're talking about. Uh, I would go with Mayfield, but <laughs> that's tough. You know, I, I, I'm yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I, Mayfield's kind of kind of gritty. I, I like him, so um, that's. Flores has always had that potential, though, right? Um, I, right, exactly. Third base to play to replace Rendon. Um, I, I, you know, he hits. He, he squares the ball up hard. I, I just worry he he ends up like a Taylor or a, yeah Taylor Wade, who where he kind of fizzles out, um, get gets dinged up. But but yeah, as long as he's playing short, you know, for what we're talking about here, short term, yes, I think Mayfield's probably the better option there. Um, I, I think the Giants kind of falter going down the stretch. So, uh, you know, I'll tell you, we talked about some players that are kind of on the back burner. I want to talk about a few teams who I think did a sneaky good job at the trade deadline. Uh, Specifically, I want to talk about the Washington Nationals. I know what you're thinking. What? A good job? 
I think they've set themselves up well for a quick turnaround in Washington. I, I watched them today. I've watched them a good bit, like I've said. I feel like Soto is getting ready to come into his own down the stretch. Josh Bell, he had a three-run shot today. He is playing really good ball. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I, I you know, at the end of the year, if you look at Josh Bell's numbers, he might end up being um, you know, a, a, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. They should have. Um Josh Bell is one of those unsung players. He he's a thirty homer type of guy. I think he hit his seventeenth today. I don't have it in front of me. Um, he's a two seventy type hitter. He's a thirty homer guy. Borderline elite at first base. I, I, that he's the cornerstone of this new national core. He and Be- or he and Soto uh, offensively are the core. But you also have to keep in consideration these pitchers that they have. Right. So the new core of Washington, Strasburg's going to be back next year. Right. I know. I know he's always battling injury. But fact of the matter is they're paying him a boatload of money. And when he's been healthy, he's been effective. Um, I, I like what they've got there in an ace. Sure, losing Scherzer hurt them. But I love Josiah Gray. Josiah Gray to me. um screams top five pitcher in a couple years. You you put him and – I always say this wrong – Savale together, and you're talking about an elite front end of the rotation, especially you think about in two years with those two in Strasburg. You're talking about a right back to that playoff rotation that they had with, you know, Scherzer and Strasburg. And so Rizzo did a good job of saying, okay, we're going to come back. We're going to come back quickly. And and here's the other part about it. They've still got a lot of guys they want to try out. So, you know, John Ross, Eric Fetty, Lane Thomas from St. Louis. Um. No, 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 not Aaron Savali. Uh, minor lyric, Kate Savali. He pitched in the, um, in the Futures game. He will be up maybe in September. But he he is a – go check him out, Chris. He is a frontline type starter who is at double A right now but really, really impressed in the Futures games. Um, he will be up. Like I said, he might get a cup of coffee this year. He, yeah, it's, I don't, I, it might be different. I, again, um, go, go to pro, MLB, MLB Pipeline. Um, but, but this, this is a kid who throws straight gas, has good command of his pitches. And when he comes up, you want to keep an eye on him. Just like Josiah Gray, he could be fantasy relevant. Especially to talk about using him at the back end of the rotation, excuse me, the back end of the bullpen um, when he comes up. They're talking about this. If you go to the um, to the futures game, they talked about it quite a bit. Uh, but but he's one of the prospects of the future that you want to really build your team around. Again, with, along with Josiah Gray, 
And, of course, Kiebert Ruiz, who's a great game caller behind the plate, I think is being a little bit overlooked as well. The Nationals have really built up something that could be um, that could be something special. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those give a little now to get a lot later, right? So the get a lot later part. <laughs> Let's move over to the Dodgers. Because this is silly. Um, I think the Yankees are going to have to use, uh, uh, you know, all three of those young guys uh, down the stretch because, um, you know, what they got on offense, they didn't really address as much as they should have in the rotation. So they're going to have to use some some young arms there. They're going to be put to the test. It'll be interesting to see. But that said, I think the Yankees' offense, they did enough offensively to make themselves viable down the down the stretch and I think we really do see um the Yankees running past the Red Sox and it being the Yankees and, and the Rays um down down the stretch as much as I'd love to see Toronto make it. Um they're an interesting team too as well, right? But but back to the Dodgers. Watch them last night. Boy, what a show Max Scherzer put on. He looks good in Dodger Blue. Um and, you know, the infield. Let's talk about the infield. Muncie, Turner, Seeger, and Turner. <laughs> I, I thought, hurry, Justin, <laughs> Justin and Trey Turner. I tripped myself up there because I just put Turner and Turner. I'm like, wait a second, I repeated my – dang it. <laughs> so, anyway, Trey Turner and um, Justin Turner. What an infield you're looking at there for the Dodgers. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, Trey Turner's on the COVID list. They need a second baseman. Who steps in to say, play second base? Oh, only the MVP. Only Mookie Betts. And I tell you, he looks the part. You can tell he's pretty comfortable there. The best part about that is Mookie's back. I mean, you see him at the plate. Again, two homers last night. He credits his improvement at the plate on his stance and how it gets him locked quicker. Um. Mookie Betts is going to have a huge last two months of the season. He's one of my DFS plays. Every night you have to play him. Guys, I'll tell you, last night I was I was I was a Corey Seager homer instead of a double away from calling off work today in DFS. I ended up taking home 25 bucks, but you know, I put a real good lineup together. I was pretty happy with it. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's all about getting these guys who are short-term hot and, and building around it, right? Um, the pitching staff for the Dodgers is unbelievable. They go outside Cole Hamels, right? Might be good, might not. I don't know. But I know Scherzer's good. He's that anchor that they wanted at the top. Bueller pitches as a one at two. 
Kershaw at three is a joke. Urias at four is a bigger joke. And then Cole, if he can weekend at Bernie you in that five spot, give you five innings, you're set up in L.A. for big things. You want to talk about winners and losers. All you got to do is look at that rivalry out there. San Diego was talking about they're going to pull off the Scherzer trade. They're, and then what happens? And I called this. L.A. swoops in. <clears throat> and one-ups them getting Trey Turner, too. And now everybody's looking up at defending champions. Chess Fantasy Chat on Dr. Roto's. Brought to you Thursday nights at 8. Go to drroto.com. Join all of the content coming out there. All kinds of premium stuff that um, you know you have to have with fantasy football coming up. Make sure you subscribe to Dr. Roto for all the seasonal and daily fantasy sports, including premium tools and draft kits, as well as exclusive mem- members-only Discord to access all all of our staff to answer your fantasy questions. That's drroto.com. Um, I, I want to talk about some short-term stats. I want, you know, I, I'm always interested in this, especially this is kind of a, from a year-long perspective. Um, but the two that the two that I'm really interested in, and you're absolutely like, right, Chris. Um, any to any any night with him hitting at the top of the line, back to Mookie Betts, he has stolen base potential, and he could hit two homers quickly. You know, so he's one game away from breaking the record for most three home run games ever. And, you know, he's, what, 28, something like that. We're talking about a player, really an unsung type of player in this day and age. So the two inch, the two stats I'm really interested in, and then I want to talk about some small sample size. The home run race and the stolen base race. And I just like you know I always I always go down through the statistics and I'll run them down you know seven days two weeks a month however the you know whatever your publication is breaks it down um, because I think it's interesting when you do that I, I want to start the home, I'll talk about that a little bit more at the stolen base race but the home run race I think is really intriguing Shohei has slowed down. And so you have three players with 30-plus homers. You have Shohei with 37, you have Vlad with 34, and you have Tatis with 31. So you got two players in the race, right? I think Vlad's picking up steam. Shohei's kind of petering out a little bit. But again, with 60 games left, a third of the season left, in essence. You're looking at two players on the precipice of 40 home runs already. I think both of these players get to 50-plus. I think Vlad wins the home run race by a couple. I think Shohei goes on a tear. Yes. Yes. That's who it is, Chris. But I think Vlad holds him off. I'll be interested to see how many people get 40 home runs this year. 
You're welcome. <laughs> I love this kid. He's impressive. I, it's, it, you know, everybody talked about the juice ball. And, yeah, it was a factor, right? But it wasn't as big a factor as we all thought it was. Because when you go and you break it down, you're going to have a ton of 40 homer guys this year. The the and I I think what's happening is players have become so single minded on hitting the ball out of the park. They've changed the physics of the swing to emulate a home run. So just on MLB.com here, you have 25 players at 22 or more home runs already. You have 11 players with 25 home runs already. I, 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 I'll tell you, and I've said this before, pitchers are already past their max of what's, what they pitched last year. These younger pitchers, you're seeing it already. These younger pitchers that haven't put together five, six, seven, eight years of 150 innings are getting tired. <laughs> so you're seeing these players, these pitchers start to come up because the it's not so much that they're hurt, they're worn down. So I think offense explodes here in this race of approximately 60 games. So where you're seeing a little bit of a lull in the offense right now, I think you see an explosion right about now. Stolen base race is a little bit different for me. This is really interesting because it's a two-man race, just like in the home run race. Whit Merrifield and Starling Marte. A couple weeks ago, I talked about Merrifield winning this race. He was up five. I talked about him winning by double digits. Well, here's what happened since then. And this is back to my point in time discussion. Starling Marte got traded to a team that likes to manufacture runs is in the playoff race and likes putting him at the top of the lineup. Two run, mind you. Kansas City didn't trade Merrifield. He's still in a really bad offense. He's not hitting particularly well. And guess what's happened? Marte has run up on his league, pun intended. Currently, it's Merrifield with 28. But I'm predicting that Merrifield wins this race by 10 stolen bases as he will take off in Oakland. All right, is that enough punts for you? (laughs) So, fun stuff here. Only five players have 20 or more stolen bases 
only five players. So if you're talking about a Roto-style league, that's significant. Merrifield, 28. Marte, 27. Tatis, 23. Turner, 21. Mullins, 20. That's it. Those are important players. That is one out of ten categories. It's significant. Only 15 players have 15 or more stolen bases. Here's where short sample size comes into play. Over the last 30 days, Starling Marte has stolen 13 bases. Number two on that list, Rymel Tapia. With six less at seven. That's getting it, guys. That is getting it. That stolen base category is one to watch. I'm just going to tell you. One guy I like. So I, I'm moving on. I, let, small sample size of interest. DFS gems. And an avoid. <laughs> DFS gem number one. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is a gem. He is such an underrated player. All he does is whatever he needs done. Swinging the bat well since the All-Star break. He's on a 121-run pace over the last 19 games. His on-base percentage in that span is 557. He's getting on base over half the time. His five stolen bases since the All-Star break might be his most impressive stat. That's a pace of 45 over a full season. Now, when I say this, I always preface this. When I say that, I'm not saying he's going to steal 45 bases. I'm saying he's a 12. He could end up in the top 10. He could get 20 stolen bases. That ain't nothing. So, other stats. 20 walks. That's 171 walks over the entire season. OPS of 1269. Over 19 games. That's a pretty decent sample size. On a pace for 120 runs over, you know, over the full season. 14 runs. This is a gem you need to be playing. Talked about Mookie Betts. I don't need to talk about him again. How about... I love this. This is such a great... Rowdy Telez. Rowdy Telez since landing in Milwaukee. 340. This is over 21 games, guys. 340. He's on a 39-homer pace. He's got five homers, 16 RBIs. That's 124 RBI pace. 
OBP of 438. This is Rowdy Telez. They, the Blue Jays gave him away. Miller Park's a fun place, though, guys. It's a fun place. Telez is cheap. One more guy I love, and then I'm going to jump off of here. Jonathan India. Hit a home run today. I don't know how many that is for him. The the thing I love about India though, he he's he wasn't a super crazy high rated prospect. He was a good prospect. He went fifth overall. I can't I don't have it written down. I think the 2018 draft. But between Nick Madrigal and Jared Kellenick, Casey Mize was the first overall pick that year. I take India over all these guys so far, personally. You're talking about – you want to talk about a grinder. 284, 11 homers, and seven stolen bases. An OBP of 403, guys. And an OPS of 853. What I like the most about India is, though, he's an old school player. He doesn't give that bats away. He grinds it out. And he's got one of the best grinders in the game to learn from in Joey Votto. Who's having a phenomenal year. India's been held scoreless from a DFS perspective. Four times since the beginning of June. Two times since the beginning of July. And... He's, he's priced a little bit more expensive in DraftKings, but in FanDuel, he's still reasonably priced. Year-long, seasonal, or DFS, Jonathan India is someone you want to get involved in. The, the 280 batting average is probably right about where he'll remain. I think the homers and the stolen bases grow. But the on-base percentage to me is the impressive statistic. I, I, I feel like as he gets older and matures more, that'll go up. I, I think you're looking at a um, OBP top five player every year, um, a potential um, one or two hitter, and someone who in that ballpark could hit you 25 homers. Um, I, I just I really like what India brings to the table. And I've been playing him pretty much every night in DFS. So that's all I got, guys. Chef's Fantasy Chat, Thursday nights at 8 on DrRoto.com. Thanks for listening. Check out all of our other content, seasonal DFS tools, as well as premium access to our staff and for all your fantasy sports questions in the member-only Discord right here at DrRoto.com. Hope you enjoyed the content. Come back and join me next Thursday. We'll do this um, again. 
Until then, take care, guys.